Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on September 20th, 2015, on the basis of Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. Sharing the Word of God can be expensive. Recently, I was thinking about how we as a church can maybe do a little bit of a better job of getting the Word of God out there into the world. And I thought to myself, you know what? We should just go big or go home. Football season has started. It's more popular than ever. The Super Bowl is the most watched event of the entire year. It's just a few months away. We should do a commercial during the Super Bowl. Unfortunately, 30 seconds of airtime during the Super Bowl costs about $4.5 million. Maybe won't quite be able to squeeze that into the budget this year. Of course, on a much lesser scale, on a much smaller scale, it's still very true that spreading the word of God can be expensive. If you're one of those people that still likes to send things in the mail, put a little stamp up in the corner, maybe you sort of lament the fact of what stamps cost these days. What are they up to? 49 cents for a stamp. Well, did you know that as a church, as a nonprofit, we can actually send out a postcard for much cheaper than that, for under 7 cents a piece. Pretty good deal when you think about it. But if you want to send out even a couple of thousand of those, several times a year, you add in the printing costs, it still starts to add up pretty quickly. Sharing the word of God can be very, very expensive. And yet none of the things that I just mentioned is what I really mean by that. This past week I was out dropping in on some people that are on the list of new movers that we get here at Good News every month. Whether you know it or not, there's actually a team of about a dozen people that that helps me make those visits each month. We drop in on people to say welcome to the area and to give them some information about Good News. It's an effort that God has blessed tremendously by giving us the opportunity to get connected with people that aren't hearing the Word of God. I was there at this one door and talked to a guy who very quickly made it clear that he had absolutely no desire to have anything to do with God and anything to do with religion. And even though he was very polite and very kind, I could just tell from the look on his face that the entire time that I was standing there on his doorstep, he was thinking to himself, you, sir, are an idiot little bit of a blow to the ego. Sharing the word of God can be expensive personally. And of course, that's not just when you're standing at a stranger's door. That's when you think about inviting your next-door neighbor to church. That's when you think about that co-worker who is obviously going through some very difficult personal issues. It's when you think about that family member who seems to have drifted away from God. Sharing the word of God can be expensive personally. It can cost you a great deal of time. It can cost you some of your dignity, some of your reputation. Sometimes it can even cost you a very treasured, very valuable relationship with someone. Of course, in some parts of the world, sharing the word of God can even cost you your life. So is it worth it? 
That's the question that Jesus really addresses with the words that are in front of us today. Is it worth it? It's an essential question for us to ask and to answer right now, to be 100% confident of, because if we are not, when opportunity presents itself, odds are we'll find a way to talk ourselves out of saying whatever needs to be said. Is it worth it? As we think about everything that sharing the word of God with another human being might cost us, Jesus' answer to that question is very simple. Jesus says to us today, even as you think about how expensive it might be to share the word of God, I want you to ignore the cost. Now that might seem like a really weird thing to hear from Jesus today, especially when you consider what we heard last week. You might remember that last week we heard that at one point in his journey to Jerusalem for the very last time, there were these large crowds of people who were following Jesus. And all of a sudden Jesus turns to them and he says, I want you to count the cost. If you are going to follow me, I want you to calculate very carefully what you might have to give up. That was Jesus' consistent message. And that message was having a big impact on the type of people that were following him. We might picture it this way. Imagine someone running for president in 2016 who builds his entire campaign platform around one simple promise. He says, if you vote for me, you might have to give up everything that you currently possess. But I can promise you that you will never be hungry, you will never be homeless, you will, be never, you will never be out on the side of the street begging people who pass by to have pity on you. What type of people do you think would vote for someone like that? Well, people who are hungry, people who are homeless, people who have spent their lives begging. What type of people would never vote for a person like that? People that think they're doing just fine. And that is exactly what was happening with Jesus. The people that were still following Jesus, eager to hear his every word, were sort of the outcasts of society. People that were looked down upon. People who had a reputation for making a complete mess of their lives. They were the ones still eager to hear. The people who thought they were doing just fine, they had begun to distance themselves. And in fact, one specific group that Jesus mentions, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the people who thought that they were just fine in the eyes of God, they began to look down on Jesus for the company that he was keeping. They muttered to themselves, look at this guy. Who is he? He welcomes sinners and even eats with them. As those Pharisees and teachers of the law thought about themselves, and thought about other people, they saw a very clear line, a very clear difference. They considered themselves righteous. They considered others sinful. Friends, I'm here to tell you today that when it comes to sharing the word of God with someone else, that is the single biggest obstacle that you and I need to overcome. It's not knowing what to say, It's not knowing how to say it. It's when we ask that question, is it worth it? 
And the same attitude that filled the hearts of these Pharisees and teachers of the law fills ours as well. It's when we think about ourselves, think about that other person, and we see some sort of difference. Will I stick my neck out and invite my neighbor to church? Will I take the time to sit down next to that co-worker in the break room who's going through some sort of life crisis? Will I have the difficult conversation with my sibling, with my son, with my daughter who is wandering from faith and wandering into sin? Is it worth it? Well, let me ask you, what if the roles were reversed? What if you were the one who was going through some sort of spiritual crisis and someone right there in your life had the very word of God that you needed to hear? Would you not plead with that person and say, yes, please say something? I know it might be difficult. I know you might be nervous. But this is my soul. This is my eternity that is on the line. So don't worry about having just the right thing to say. Please just say something. And friends, if there is a difference in our conviction, when we would be the one who is doing the talking versus when we would be the one being talked to, as sort of an indication that as we think about ourselves versus other people, we see a difference. That when we ask that question, is it worth it, what we really might be thinking is, well, I think I'm worth it, but I'm not so sure that other person is. It's exactly the attitude that Jesus needed to confront in these Pharisees and these teachers of the law. And he did so by telling three consecutive parables in, the, in Luke chapter 15. The first one is about a lost sheep. The second one is about a lost coin. The third one is the most well-known of them all. It comes after these verses. It's the parable of the lost or the prodigal son. Now, it shouldn't surprise us one bit that in each of these three parables, there is something that is lost. Because first and foremost, Jesus wants us to realize that that describes all of us by nature. Whether we are a Pharisee or a criminal, whether we are a teacher of the law or a tax collector, whether we have sins that everyone in the world knows about, or whether we've managed to keep our sins sort of hidden from everybody else, we are by nature lost. What's remarkable about each of these parables is that the thing that is lost is being looked for. In the first parable, it's the sheep. One sheep out of a hundred. If the shepherd leaves the 99 behind, he might be putting them at risk. This could get expensive for him. Is it really worth it? In the second parable, it's a coin. One coin out of ten. No big deal, right? If the woman decides to look for it, who knows how long it will take before she finds it. This could get expensive. Is it really worth it? And yet in each of those parables, not only does the shepherd, not only does the woman look for what is lost, when they find it, we're told that it brings them 
incomparable joy. So here's what Jesus is saying. If ever there was anyone who had the right to ask the question, is this really worth it? It was our God. What if I create this world as I've planned and I put mankind in it with a free will to either obey me or rebel? And what if this goes as I already know it's going to go? What if they ruin my perfect creation? What if they bring into this world things like hatred and murder and child abuse and every form of cancer? And what if the only way to fix this mess is for my own dear son to dive headfirst right into it? What if the only way to fix it is to take all of their sin and put it right on the shoulders of my son? What if their sin drives a wedge between me and my own dear son? And what if I have to stand there and watch as he hangs on a tree and dies for them? Is it worth it? And the father said, and the son said, yes, 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 over and over again, yes. Not only did God our father spare no expense, not even his son, so that lost sinners could be found, the very thought of one of them being found brings heaven incredible joy. Anytime a lost sinner is found, heaven erupts into a party. An out-of-control, 3 a.m., the neighbors call the police because it's so loud, party. Put that in perspective a little bit. In 2014, billionaire Warren Buffett, maybe you've heard of him, is on record as making the single largest charitable contribution of the year. Any guesses? Two billion dollars he gave to a charity that helps fight hunger and poverty around the world. Is that a good thing? Is that something worth celebrating and being a little bit happy about? God tells us that he would be far happier over the thought of that same billionaire praying as you so often do by yourself and when we gather here in church Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. That brings God far greater joy. In fact, there's a reason that when we gather here to confess our sins and to be assured of our forgiveness, the song that we sing right after that, you know where that comes from? Glory be to God on high and on earth peace to men. That's the song the angels sang the night of Jesus' birth. And for centuries, the church has sung that song in worship because we know that the angels in heaven rejoice over just one sinner who repents. Think how excited they are when an entire room full of sinners repents. And so we sing, glory be to God on high. So friends, as you think about how expensive it might be to share the word of God with someone, you can trust with absolute confidence that God will find a way to bring you the very same joy that he has in heaven. You know, that same night when I met the man who appeared to think that I was a complete idiot for being on his doorstep, doorstep I had another interesting conversation. 
I was there on the porch talking to the husband. We were talking for several minutes, and after a while, both of us sort of realized almost at the same time that that very morning, his wife and their son had been here at Good News for Mornings with Mommy. So over the course of the last couple months, somehow she heard about Mornings with Mommy, decided to attend with her son, and then during that same time, his name showed up on that new mover list that we get here at church, and those two things came together in the span of about 12 hours. I think I could have planned that. I think I could have arranged that, even if I had tried. No, absolutely not. It's nothing more than God giving us a small taste of the incredible joy that he has in heaven when a lost sinner hears the word of God and is found. So it's entirely natural for us to ask, is this really worth it? And yet Jesus leads us to ignore the cost by first of all remembering that all of us are by nature lost sinners. Secondly, that God spared no expense in sending his son so that lost sinners could be found And then third of all, promising that the very same joy that fills the halls of heaven, he will find a way to share with us. And so, friends, my prayer for you, my prayer for all of us, my prayer for us as a church, is that people would say about us exactly what the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered about Jesus. These people, these Christians, this church, they welcome sinners. May God grant it for Jesus' sake. Amen. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.